microphone someplace so that you can talk to it. It actually is pretty good. It's really good. Happy to be joined today by Kim Miner. Kim studied art at Western Michigan University and Tufts School of the Museum of Fine Arts. After 30 years immersed in the visual arts, she chose Midwest College of Oriental Medicine, where she trained in MCOM's busy Chicago clinic. You are a certified death midwife, um, and um, I'm really interested in finding out Okay, more about that, right? So I, I went to Wikipedia like I'm prone to do. I spent half my day on Wikipedia and Google trying to figure out what is going on. Um, and there's a lot of information about deaf <laughs> midwives. Uh, but, um, you know, what, what's that all about and how did you get into that? Well, I think that it kind of chose me. I felt like it was something I needed to do. Um, uh, there are some well, let me start with what, what is a death midwife, okay? Um, a death midwife is the water that flows between the rocks of the medical profession and the funeral industry. Yeah, I like right? that. Yeah. yeah, it's very poetic, isn't it? Yeah. And the reality is that we work for the person that's dying. Um, usually people have um, some, you know, some time. And so we meet with them and talk to them about what they, how they want the end of their life to be and what they want their death to be and what they want to be remembered for and funeral and those kind of things that are maybe hard conversations to have with the family. Um, and sometimes like, for example, the children might um, not want to do what mom wants to do. So you act as kind of a uh, middle person to make sure that, that the person get, gets what they want. Um, and so our, everyone should have their affairs in order because if we do that, then everything is smooth sailing after that. I felt like it was something I needed to do for my community and my family. I'm comfortable with death. And um, I think that as an, I'm an acupuncturist. So as an acupuncturist, um, I deal with people that are, um, that are terminally ill and I wanted to have the skill set to talk to them in a positive way and maybe help them uh, at the end of their life. Um, so there were lots of reasons for me doing it though. I don't really do that, the hands on like going into someone's home at the end very often. I mean, I'm available, but um, that's not really what I do. Did you know that Kim was at uh, with grandpa Striegel? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was the first time I had heard that uh, you did this. I don't yeah. know if you had been practicing before that or not, but uh, that was the first. Is it harder when it's somebody from the family than it would be? Um, or is it um, just such a process and such a calling that you are okay with it? I think that, I think in grandpa's case, I think we kind of had a pact. You know, he and I talked about it and he wanted, he wanted me to be with him. And he didn't want anyone else to be there. And so that was such an honor for me. Um, and so I would say that it's different to be with someone who's, who's you know, fa family. 
Um, a loved one obviously is like, you know, it's like a, a, a lot more of a, um, emotional bond, but, but it makes it that much more special too. And so, yeah, he literally would not die until I made everyone go home. No kidding. No kidding. Everyone's, uh, Oba, uh, Sarah told him, it's okay. We all know that you're proud of us and you can go now. You know, she gave him permission, which is a really important part of this process because they want to know like, okay, we'll take care of mom. We'll make sure everything's good. You can go. You, and she said, we know that you're proud of us. Um, and you can go now. And he just would not. So I finally looked at her and said, go, you leave Sarah and we're going to do this ourselves. So. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's yeah. interesting. That is interesting. Now, was that your first time like being a debt? Like, is that what led you into doing this or have you been doing it before then? No, it's kind of interesting, Allison, because I, I felt like I needed to do this, this work at this training um, before grandpa was diagnosed. And then hmm. when he found out that I was doing that training, that's when we started talking about these things and about quality of life and the end of his life. And um, I wasn't really very involved in those decisions that they made, but, um, but I certainly like shared ideas about, you know, I said, you don't have to do you don't have to do dialysis. You don't have to take that medication. You can die the way that you want to die. And those are hard words to say to somebody, right? And not part of our usual vocabulary. So um, I think it's good. And I, I think that we need to become a little more comfortable saying that. Like, yeah. what do you want? You know, how do you yeah. want that to be? Do you notice a difference uh, with the, uh, the patients uh, nearing end of life? Uh, who are prepared versus who aren't like they've got their affairs in orders in order because you know a lot of the dead myth death midwife sorry uh, stuff that I read about was you know really trying to make sure that they're prepared well because you know as like I think I think the people that suffer if that if a person is not prepared at the end the people that suffer are the children or the family, the family that's left, they try to guess what the person would have wanted. And, you know, sometimes one of us, I mean, we all have different opinions and sometimes we know different things than, than the other one. And, and so it just creates all this chaos and pain and anger and frustration or can around the death when, when that should be a time to be able to just come together and support each other rather than try to make these really difficult decisions. Allison uh, is always overprepared for this, but I actually uh, had, I have a couple questions. So um, I, I, I know, I know you do. That's why I have to be prepared with my own questions. Uh, so uh, doula, am I saying that right? Yes. It, and, and so it seems that the, in Canada, um, there's a bit of a controversy about using the term midwife versus doula. Um, yeah. because midwife is reserved for birthing. Yes. Um, and so what are your feelings on that? Well, that's kind of an ongoing battle. And unfortunately, um, the woman that I learned from, her name is Angie Buchanan. And, um, and she's a very um, strong and determined woman and, and is, does beautiful training. Um, and she, this is a, a, something that she has an ongoing, um, conversation 
about. And so we don't really like the term doula because historically doula means um, like servant. Mm-hmm. And so we're not, we're not, none, you know, we're not servants, we're assistants. So Interesting. That, that's a tricky word, but there are a lot of, you said, you're right. There are a lot of people that use the term doula because they don't want to fight about it. Um, but the really simple solution is to say birth, dead, birth, midwife or death midwife like birth midwives don't have they don't own the term midwife so but but this is an ongoing conversation and and if one of you were a a birth midwife we might have a totally different conversation it would not be one-sided me saying you don't own this right yeah yeah interesting and uh the process of uh helping someone die has historically been women Mm-hmm. Um, do you find a predominance of women in the field as well, or are men getting into it as well? Like, I'm not sure, but I would say out of like the group that I'm familiar with, maybe, maybe 20% are, are men. So, so there, there are a number, but the majority of them are women. That just makes me think about even teaching as a profession. It's, it's just interesting because these jobs in which you're caring for people in such like a deep way, like I just feel like more women are like, you know, the people to be doing these jobs instead of men. And I wonder if that, you know, if that is, you know, nature versus nurture, is that the way that like men are being raised or is that just like truly like by nature, women are more caring. It's just like an interesting thing to think about. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. And I think that, you know, I'm, I like, I like the, the, your thought and it, and I think generally that women are more nurturing I mean, it's just the way we're brought up and whether it's, you know, whether that's just who we are or whether it's our culture, uh, it still is the way it is. And just like there aren't very many male, um, I mean, I don't know of any male birth midwives, you know? Um, so, that's a good point. Yeah. So, yeah. but it's, um, but I think it has a lot to do with, you know, how comfortable we are with people and, and how comfortable they are with us. And yeah, probably like kindergarten teachers are mostly female too, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the responsibility of um, midwife uh, is a lot of education and um, uh, empowering families to make some decisions. How does, how does one go about doing that? How do you empower families to make decisions? How do you educate them? Or is that not your gig? Is there something else that you really focus on? Um, I think that that really is the main, the main thing uh, is to, to um, make sure that people, like we were talking about earlier, have their affairs in order. And I think it's just a matter of, you know, telling them these are the, these are the papers that everyone needs to have. And, um, and there are different ways to go about it. Um, I talked about Angie before. She has an annual like family party, and they all update their wills. It's part of what they do. No and kidding. It becomes this just family event, and I can't remember, but I think it's connected with it, some holiday. Um, so you know, it, it doesn't have to be um, a traumatic thing if it's just built into your upbringing. If you're used to doing this thing and every year. Sounds like um, a, a great event for the Deus del Morte. Is that? Is that what? Yeah. Yeah. 
Mexican outfit. No, well, I'm not Spanish. I don't know. <laughs> update your update your will. Yeah. Yeah. What so questions do you think, have? Well, you interrupted Aunt Kim. I'm sorry. That's okay. No, I was just gonna say, so I think the education is really just trying to convince people that it's important and just, you know, like we're gonna die. All of us are gonna die. There's no reason that we don't just do this, do it once, yeah. get it over with. And yeah. And then we get what we want uh, in the end. So, my question was just like, since all of since you started doing all of this, has your ideal of death like changed at all? And has it become not like desensitized in a way, but has it become more normalized to you? I I I try to let be okay with people making that decision. So so that was huge. That was a game changer for me. Yes, especially if they're going through chemotherapy or something like that, yeah. right? I mean, that's a that's a tough one. Really, yeah. you know, and so I guess that maybe leads to the second part of your question, Allison. Um, so I think I believe now that there are worse things than dying, and um, and that doesn't mean that it's not important to me, but there's a new perspective on on that, and so. Um, you know, we, we spend so much money at the end of a person's life and, you know, being in nursing homes and hospitals and trying to eke out that last, you know, day of living or that last hour. And is it really worth it? And so it becomes a quality of life issue. So, um, so I know, yeah. uh, during the COVID-19, uh, that, um, you, you put your, uh, name in to uh, help out in uh, in hospitals and nursing homes in case they have you had a chance to help out at all? Have you I gotten have a call? Not. No, I have not. Yeah, I have not. I mean, it's just so sad to hear about people, you know, and the nurses what they go through because they've got you know four or five patients they lose on a shift or something, and you know they're just heartbroken. Yes, and that's such a good point. And that um, I met uh, I met somebody during this. Uh, crisis on another project and she has a really beautiful um, Facebook page called women of strength and when she we had met in a zoom meeting and we went to this weekly zoom meeting and she saw on my Facebook profile that I was a death midwife and she called me and she said oh my gosh like I've always wanted to um, do a piece on a death midwife can can we work on this together because uh, her name's Jody Swanson, and Jody said, "My heart just breaks when I hear about um, all of these nurses at the end of life. They're like not trained for this. They don't know what to do." And so she wanted to make a um, a little um, kind of checklist or a little, you know, a little suggestion for these people and how they can help in the end of a person's life. Um, and so we did that together, and. Um, and her Facebook, that that uh, post has, last time I looked, almost 3,000 interactions. That's awesome. Which is huge. And so I think, and that also points to um, the fact that people, other people are thinking about that, like you are, Jack, that, you know, um, this is really sad and, and people, you know, don't know what to do. And so so there are suggestions and, and it was fun to be able to, or good to be able to put that together for people. We, uh, we went to Zoom church on Sunday and the minister told a story of his <laughs> grandma passing away and um, uh, her 
uh, her aunt, her daughter, uh, his aunt, uh, was there uh, at her bedside uh, when she was nearing end of life, and she was having trouble speaking, and and uh, you know her the daughter was getting closer and closer, and um, the mom was notoriously very uh, very stoic. Uh, you know, very, very hard depression era mom, you know, just mm -hmm. very hard woman and uh, uh, didn't show her affection very much. And, and uh, uh, towards the end, the daughter, uh, she said something, the grandma said something, mom said something, and, and she leaned in and she said, did mom, did you say I love you? And the mom and like took all of her energy she had at the end and she goes, no. <laughs> and then she passed away like immediately after. That was her last word. So it was so funny. Change. It was very surprising to hear that. Right at the end. Yeah, we we laughed out loud. If it was if that was in real church, that probably would have been uh, the end of the service because everyone was laughing uh, so much. But I you know, I wonder, you know, uh People, people do have the choice, right? They can be themselves, right, uh, up until the end. And I think that that, you know, is part of the message. I think, you know, and you and I talked about this when you were putting your application into the hospitals to help out. And, you know, this is a calling, right? You said it at the beginning that, you know, you, you didn't really find it. It found you. And, um, you know, some of the things, and I just want to read the part of the Wikipedia that I thought was really interesting because it, I, I thought of you, you know, individuals who want to support patients drawn to the mission, making sure someone is not facing this alone. And, you know, I thought that that was, um, you know, very uh, helpful and very admirable. You know, I think, in fact, both of you, both Allison and you, you know, I think there are very few more admir admirable uh, callings than uh, healthcare and teaching. You know, those are really, really great roles. Thanks. I, I'd just like to make a little comment about the, the what you read from Wikipedia, um, because we've all heard about the, um, the situation where you're sitting around someone and then, you know, you get up and go get a cup of coffee and you come back and they've passed while you're gone, right? Some people want to be alone. And I, and I love that. I, and the idea is that we give them the option of not being alone. Um, but I think that we as a culture believe that no one ever wants to be alone. And I'm not sure that that's really true because those things happen often. People pass when no one's in the room. And, and I don't think that's a coincidence. But, um, but it's really beautiful that people, um, nurses right now and doctors, medical people, are able to help and, and sit with people if they want if they want company. I think yeah. that's so important right now. And that um, I've seen some really nice things. I've seen these little crocheted hearts. They're they're um, giving like they're giving one to the person that died and one to the family member, saying that uh, the name of the healthcare practitioner that was with them oh, nice. um, when they died, so that the person, the family member, knows they weren't alone and who yeah. who to thank. So. So there's some really nice things around this. And, um, and I appreciate you guys like talking with me because um, this is hard conversation. These are hard conversations yeah. and tough yeah. topic. And the more we talk about it, uh, the better off we'll be as a uh, society, you know, because yeah. we all go to this place and then. Yeah. yeah.
Allison Miner. I am a 2019 Michigan State University graduate with a bachelor's in child development and elementary education. At MSU, I co-founded the Mental Health Awareness Club, which is an organization that was created with the intent to provide support to those struggling with their mental health. I'm Jack Miner, former managing director of a corporate venture capital team at a major health system. I spent a dozen years working in technology transfer, and I focus on commercialization and investing in emerging technologies that are strategic to healthcare. I have a bachelor's from the University of Michigan and a master's from Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management. We want to thank Kim Miner for her time today. She has a busy acupuncture practice in Sandwich, Illinois. She's an active member of Kind Minds, a rapidly growing mindfulness community. Kim meditates and practices yoga daily and passionately believes that food is medicine. Kim encourages a mind-body-spirit approach to health. Okay.